Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. We've been going through the Old Testament, seeing how Jesus and his gospel factors into every story. If you've missed any of them, search through the podcast or vlog for the studies on the books of Genesis through Ruth. As we continue God's story, which is really our story, I am changing how we go through the bulk of the rest of the Old Testament. If you read the Bible from cover to cover, the historical books get a bit confusing as the timeline isn't straight. My goal is to, as for the next studies, is to do them in historical sequence. So we'll bounce around the Old Testament, but the stories will make better sense. Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible, and we'll find him everywhere as we go along. Um, you'll also see how the Old Testament sets us up for the New Testament. And I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies along with podcast playlists on my blog. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart and eyes and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Okay, 2 Samuel 6. It's not just our good motives that matter, it's our methods too. The year is 1000 BC and David's next task was to bring the Ark of the Covenant from where it's been for 70 years to Jerusalem. He had good motives, but as you will see, his methods were lacking. Remember Moses relayed to the Israelites specific instructions that God gave him on the building of the Ark of the Covenant? That was in Exodus. They even had detailed um, directions on who and how it was to be carried. The Kohathites of the tribe of Levi were the only ones who were designated to touch, carry, and care for the Ark of God. And that's in the book of Numbers. Back in 1 Samuel 4, the Israelites got the bright idea to take the ark into battle against the Philistines, and they ended up losing it. They failed to seek God's guidance in the matter. Then the Philistines discovered that God is mightier than their man-made idols, and that was actually funny. They returned the ark on a cart, but the Hebrews never brought it back to its proper place at the tabernacle in Shiloh. They left it in someone's yard like an old, useless relic. So what happens when David tries to bring it to Jerusalem? Well, let's dig in. We're in 2 Samuel 6. Good motive, bad method. Then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the Ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who was enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant. Ahio walked in front of the Ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments. Lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. 
But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Macon, going downhill, the ox stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named that place Perez Uzzah, which means the burst out against Uzzah, as it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord and asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and, and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside a special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, a daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person would might do. And David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrated before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. Shall Michal, the daughter of Saul, remain childless throughout her entire life? Well, here are some points to ponder. So the ark was neglected for 70 years. David's motives were right, but he failed to consult God on how to properly move the ark. The Levites and priests also failed to follow the proper procedure outlined by God so many years ago. David's negligence cost a man his life. Unholy hands were never supposed to touch the ark. Once they figured out the poles on either side were for the ark's transport, they stopped and David sacrificed a bull and a calf. The lesson here is to do things God's way, not your own way or man's way. And we can see this in all the religious rituals that man has invented to get God's attention. God doesn't want pagan worship. He wants sincere worship. At the end, Michal, Saul's daughter, was ashamed of David's worshipful dance, thinking it was beneath his status as a king. David was more concerned about worshiping God than what people thought. 
That reminds me when I started attending a non-denominational church. At first, it felt odd raising my hands during the worship time. It took me a while for me to feel comfortable doing it. I finally just let the spirit take over and sincerely worship God. Back when I was growing up Catholic, I was more concerned about standing or kneeling at the right moment during the mass. In the progressive church, raising hands and swaying with the worship songs was just not done. Recently, I witnessed a friend be so moved by the spirit during a worship song that she danced in the middle of the sanctuary. I'm moved when people go up to front and kneel and pray, humbling themselves before God. Not because they have to, because they are genuinely moved to. If you feel God moving you to do something, do it. Pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit for strength, power, and wisdom. And here's one of David's Psalms written about this time. Um, uh, it's Psalm 101, and um, it's short. Um, I will sing your uh, of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the, uh, of the Lord from their grip. Well, that's what's called living a righteous life. So how can you do what it says in this Psalm? You know, like, um, I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Um, I hate all who deal crookedly. <laughs> Lead a life of integrity. Live a blameless life. Oh, isn't that difficult to do this? You know, it really isn't with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's available 24-7. I, I pray and ask for, you know, help and guidance every single morning before I do anything. You know, I don't know what the day's gonna hold for me. I don't know if I have to deal with technology not working like it's supposed to, you know, a client being difficult or whatever, I don't know. But I know with the Holy Spirit, I know how to sustain myself, to, to keep calm, um, and it, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding, as Paul writes in the book of Philippians. Um, you know, it's um, and it's all the Holy Spirit. And if you're not a born again Christian, you're just missing out. You know, growing up Catholic, I just thought that God's Spirit was some far off entity only available to popes and priests. No, He is Jesus living in your heart when you repent of your sins. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Surrender your life to him and invite him into your heart. You know, Jesus didn't suffer torture and die on the cross so we can have religion. He died so he could have a relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. In Revelation 3.20, he said, 
Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in. Isn't it about time that you got right with God? Just invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Also at the bottom of today's blog, I've got two songs. One's called Raise a Hallelujah and Live with Abandon. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, and just sitting at home, you know, just put these songs on, turn the volume up and worship God with abandon, you know, just put the, you know, let the spirit come in and just worship the Lord. And you can do it anywhere. You don't have to be in church. Just worship the Lord. Solideo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.